0: Is there anything more wonderful than the felt presence of the risen Christ? Imago Dei Church, you are, by His grace, living proof that Jesus is real. And your city cannot unsee what it's seeing. And you are here by his appointment. This was not just a a lucky mid-court three-point shot. The Lord did this. There's nothing greater. And all your friends around the country especially those of us in Acts 29, the the network, we're just so inspired by you. We're stronger because you're here. Thank you. Now, planting a church and being a church are not easy. We all know that. But fortunately, Jesus does not get worn down the way we do. The risen Christ above, right now, at this moment, he is not tired today. And he's not tired of you. When he sees you coming, he's not looking out his peripheral vision for an exit strategy. Here comes yet another high-maintenance sinner. Come on. (laughs) No, he lights up when he sees you coming toward him with yet more need. We do need his renewing strength day by day, moment by moment. That's why these words are here in John's Gospel, chapter 7. They resonate. These words resonate with us. There is a reason why 2,000 years into this, these words ring true. Nobody else could say this to us, and we would take that person seriously, right? Jesus says this to us, and we know he means it. We don't fully understand it. We're not sure we're worthy of it, but we know he means it. We take him seriously. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's a game changer. Because there are two ways to do church. One, we bring to the table our best, and then inevitably we soon wear out, get fed up, something deep inside us dies. Two, the other way to do church is we bring to the table our worst, our exhaustion, our depletion, our skepticism, and what does Jesus do? He welcomes us and he gives us his best. That's the deal. That's how it works. If anyone thirsts in all these ways and more, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That sounds to me like the ongoing miracle of the early church. It sounds to me like the ongoing miracle that is Imago Dei Church. It sounds like Emmanuel Nashville. We are not just asking Jesus to bless what we do. We are welcoming what only Jesus can do. When he blesses the work of our hands, it's a wonderful thing. When he takes the work in his own hands, it is immeasurably more wonderful. So let's stay dependent on him. And when we're open and eager and alert, holding out empty hands before him, Augustine said 1,500 years ago, God loves to fill empty hands. And it's why these words here from our Lord we're so grateful because all we need is to feel thirst for him. All we need to do is to come to him and he keeps working that miracle in us and through us to others. There are ways, I'm sure, to you know, clog and hinder this flow-through ability he's talking about here. We can complicate it. I have done complicated it many times. How could we conceivably? Well, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We can do that by coddling sin, for example. I mean, if I'm obeying God in one area of my life in order to evade obeying God in another area of my life, then even my obedience isn't obedience, (laughs) it's coincidence. God just happens to command what I wanted to do anyway. So we want to stay open to all that God wants. Then we experience how church really works. Or we can clog up our flow-through ability by reading the Bible like a menu of options to choose from. The Bible says, however, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So as Augustine again taught us, if we accept the things in the Bible we like, and reject the things in the Bible we don't like, then it isn't the Bible we accept, but just ourselves. So let's not edit the Bible. It's all about Jesus from cover to cover. Let's stay open. Why would we limit him? So if we just stay open and thinking it through, book by book, Daniel next, that can only trend well. Or maybe the most common way we can hinder our flow-through ability is just frantic busyness. We can become too distracted even to notice our need, to feel it. And week slips into week, and month into month, and year into year. And what happened to that sensitivity I used to feel toward Jesus? What has happened here? So here in John chapter 7, Jesus is inviting us to notice our thirst. Notice what isn't working in our lives. Notice what isn't going well in our lives. And bring that to him. And be refreshed all over again. He is how we become a river of life to others. It starts when we go to satisfy Our own thirst for him. So let's think it through. Verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. He shouted it. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I wonder what you think of that. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then he talks about rivers of living water. So for some of us, these words resonate deeply because we've experienced this and we've known this in lots of ways through the years. We, this is real to us. Others of us, maybe these words sound like, if we're honest, sounds like flowery religious language. It sounds like pious exaggeration. It sounds like an ideal that we might attain to or not. Well... If that's how it sounds to you, if that's how Jesus' word sounds, it gets worse. <laughs> Plow through John's gospel and notice how Jesus describes the ways we engage with him. Like coming to him and drink in this, in this passage. All the ways he describes it. I mean, He is repeatedly bold in how he offers himself to us. In chapter 6, for example, Jesus says... Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For crying out loud, he sounds like a cult leader. (laughs) But my point is, Jesus is not shy, he is not timid, he is not even restrained in the boldness and audacity and generosity with which he offers himself to us. He is bold because he cares. He wants to speak through all the noise coming at us and talk to us. He is frank, forthright. He is enthusiastic about this. That's why he raised his voice and shouted, it says. He cried out. This was at the feast. A lot of crowds were there, a lot of noise. He wanted to be heard. He wants to get through to us today. He is not apologizing for anything he says because he means it. Therefore, we can receive it. Now here's the backstory story to what our Lord is saying here. Each day of this annual feast there in Jerusalem, a priest took a golden pitcher, filled it full of water at the pool of Siloam there in Jerusalem and carried it ceremoniously to the temple where he poured that water out at the altar and it was an acted prayer to God. It was an acted, it was a symbolic, it was symbolic of our prayer for many outpourings from God, outpourings of blessing without end. This was the occasion as that was happening when Jesus said, "If, if anyone is thirsty for something from beyond themselves if anyone is thirsty for the reality symbolized by this ceremony, if anyone wants fresh blessing on this occasion and fresh blessing on every occasion, then let that thirsty, dry, parched, fed up, tired person come to me and drink. He was saying... I am what you really want. He was saying, however you are weak, I am here for you. Whenever your heart is dead, I am here for you. Christ is inviting us, the real us, to come to him again and again. He is setting no limits. And he doesn't talk about cupfuls of living water, but rivers. He's not qualifying this at all except that we would thirst and we would come and we would drink. He is, he is not challenging us. He's not even exhorting us. He is not asking us that this time we show him we really mean it. We're going to re-up and this time we're going to show him how serious we are. No, he is inviting us to bring to him nothing but need for his endless faithfulness, his sensitive attention, his generous care. Everything Jesus does, he does sincerely with his whole heart. It's just obvious all over the Bible. For example, in the Old Testament, God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. When I was a kid, uh, the dentist our family went to was a Christian. And he had Bible verses in different places in the dental office. So, you know, you sit in the dentist's chair, and, he, and it goes back like that. So I'm looking up the ceiling, and there's that verse from Psalm 81. <laughs> Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. <laughs> in the New Testament, Jesus says famously, I have come that they may have life. He did not say, I have come that they may get religion." I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Can you imagine anyone else saying such things with credibility at all? Jesus says it. He means it, and we know it. So what could this thirsting actually look like? What could this drinking actually look like for any one of us here today? This is like omnirelevant. It's huge, huge category. For example, this is just for starters. We all long for acceptance. We feel our failures. We feel the shame of our failures, the isolation that that shame drives us back into. But Jesus comes to us and says, Neither do I condemn you. Now, that came from John chapter 8. And remember that precious woman was surrounded by accusers and Jesus sent them. He dispatched them. Y'all are unqualified. And they knew it and they left. And the woman was left alone with Jesus. He did not just say, I do not condemn you. He said, neither do I condemn you because what he had done was create a whole social environment of safety and non-condemnation. Everyone needs a non-accusing place to stand in this world of rage. Jesus gives it. We long for acceptance. We desire to be valued. We would like somebody to treat us like we actually matter because we've all been trivialized. This world has no idea who you are. This world treats you like a unit in some sort of you know, commercial or political collectivity you're a, you're, a, you're a voting you're part of a voting block, you're part of a market niche so you're, you're, you're just useful for somebody else's selfish grandiosity. Jesus actually believes you matter. the gospel says and it Ephesians chapter 5 that Jesus cherishes us <laughs> like a husband who's crazy in love with his bride. We long for hope. We want we'd like to get a future back that's worth getting excited about. We've we've faced so many disappointments and betrayals and we ourselves have let others down so many times and so forth. But God says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you for your future. When you, the instant you step into heaven, you are not going to look around and think, well, okay, I can get used to it. Jesus did not say, I go to prepare a place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. You're going to step into heaven, look around, and and think, no way. (laughs) He thought of me. What you thirst for is important to him, and it is in him. He alone can satisfy the longings the massive longings in your heart the longings that sometimes are are so deep and personal it's almost embarrassing to talk about them everything else will let you down only Christ can say my grace is sufficient for you and his invitation to us here in this verse is wide if Anyone. That's a big word. His invitation is relevant if anyone thirsts. His invitation is personal. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. His invitation is simple. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Back in the Old Testament, he told us, come, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, no way to pay, no way to earn, no way to deserve, he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy and eat. It must be that he gives us the money and he says, okay, you can pay now, so we return his money to him, good to go. It's called the merit of Christ. Freely given, poured out into empty hands. So, how do we follow through? How do we accept and act upon his kind invitation? What we do is we obey our thirst. What are you most longing for? It is in Jesus but better, pure, and real with no downside and no bitter aftertaste. You have no right to stop short of coming to him. And you have no right to deny your own thirst real satisfaction in him. And you have every right to expect the best of him when you come, because that's who he is. Let nothing get in your way. Push everything else aside and come to him and keep coming. In 2,000 years, no one has depleted him. Here's why. Verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The most underexplored territory in our nation today is the oceanic fullness of the risen Jesus Christ. And we will serve millions of thirsty sinners as we receive from him first and find out how good he really is and then the great thing and I'm really thankful for this is that We can trust him, not just for the noble things we wish we desired and we would desire if only we were better people, but we can come to Christ and bring to him every desire, everything we desire, and find its satisfying reality, and we will not be lied to and defrauded and sent away empty. So here in verse 38, our Lord is saying, dare to believe me. Come and drink and find out what I can do for you. We do have to trust him, but that's what every fraudulent promise also demands of us. And our heart's trust is what we have given many times in all the wrong directions. The difference is that Jesus is the only one who forgives us when we wander and he's the only one who satisfies us when we come. So let's come. And he doesn't do this at arm's length. He doesn't do this by remote control. He actually wants us near to him because he actually cares about us. So let's not think about coming to him. Let's come to him. And whenever we do... He does give himself. He welcomes us, and great things start happening. And by the way, this, is, this experience he's talking about here is highly compatible with people who are sinners and sufferers. This is for sinners and sufferers. So here's what gets traction when we come to him and trust him and drink him in. Our hearts become, I don't know what else to say, become aware at a level that I can't really, I don't understand, it's just real. Our hearts become aware, we have a new realization, a new confidence that we really do matter to God. He gives us a clear sense that he is, ours and we are his and the words of that old song the old hymn how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me that starts making sense that's not just flowery idealistic language that's like reality that is super reality and everything it's like reality inverts we realize everything I thought was so impressive and formidable and scary Becomes smaller. Jesus, who I thought was small and merely helpful, a kind of welcome sidebar now and then becomes massive and life giving. That change starts happening. And so many of you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to describe because this is a miracle. This is not a formula to master. It's not a script to follow. It's a miracle to receive over and over again and then with hearts open to the graces of Christ filling, flowing in. That's when we have something to offer to other people. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and this experience hasn't entered into you yet, Jesus is right now for you just as much as he is for the most profound and experienced saint sitting here in this room. He said, if anyone. So, do you and I need to offload some junk from our lives, things that hold us back? Yes. But the main thing is simply waving the white flag of surrender and coming over to his side and to begin to discover how real he is. We move our chips over onto his square and we say, Lord, I'm a mess. I just want to be your mess. And he says, done. He's giving you a promise here. And he's a gentleman. He's a man of his word. He keeps his promises. We don't deserve to come and drink and drink and drink from the fountain of his loving heart for us. We've all believed so many lies. But the gospel says, in the the gospel, the Lord says, I will clear the way by my cross for the Holy Spirit to flow out into thirsty people in the world today. That is what the risen Christ is doing. And he's having a blast doing this right now. And he's inviting us to get in on it more and more. When I was a boy, my family spent a summer in England and we visited castles, you know, and did the tourist thing. One of the castles that we visited, I remember, there was a dungeon way down deep in this sort of, I guess, a kind of a cavernous basement. And the only water throughout all those centuries, the only water for the prisoners in that dungeon was a little dripping trickle that came down one of the walls. And over the centuries, the prisoners had literally worn a groove in the rock with their tongues licking that little drip of water. And that is who we are in our modern dungeons where we have everything except what we really want. And we're licking the stone walls, Dry, and to to us Jesus says, I will satisfy you. And I'll even splash through you onto the thirsty people around you. Deal? (laughs) This so resonates with some of us and with others of us. The thought might linger. Ray, I can read the words on the page. It's in the Bible, and I'm not denying it. But it's not for me. It's for these other people, but it's not for me because I have sinned too terribly. And I just got to make do with this bare existence I'm stuck with by now. true story to speak to that thought. Dwight Moody was uh, a Christian in 1871 just after the Great Chicago Fire. He was in New York City because a lot of people were raising money to rebuild Chicago and he was there for that purpose. But his heart wasn't in it because he could see the he was deeply troubled and disheartened by all the selfishness that he saw within himself. So outwardly, he was doing this good thing, but inwardly, he felt shamed and he felt wretched and he was crying out to God. He was walking down Wall Street in in New York City and God Came to him in mercy. He had friends who lived nearby. He went immediately to their home, knocked on the door. He said, Could I, do you have a room where I could be alone to pray? They said, Sure, come on in. Later he wrote, Oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love. Now here's a man who's painfully aware of how disqualified he is and troubled within. And how does God visit him? I had such an experience of God's love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. In other words, Lord, please back off. I'm not sure I can take this. I would now, I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you offered me all the world. It would be like mere dust on the scales. If anyone thirsts, Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. Let's thirst. Let's come. Let's drink. That got you here? that will keep you bearing fruit and turning you into rivers of living water for the whole world. God be with you and bless you. Thank you.